Hi, I'm Alex Lewis. Welcome to Taiwan Talk. How do you take in a city? Do you make an itinerary by looking up things to do and then just going out there and executing that plan? Or do you kind of like Bill Bryson, the famous American author who, in his books, describes going to a city, picking a neighborhood, and just walking and just seeing what comes? If you take in the city the second way, that means you're a flaneur, a person who saunters around observing society. And that's also the concept of the magazine flaneur. They take in a city through the lens of one street. And the magazine has been in Berlin, Leipzig, Montreal, Rome, Athens, Moscow, Sao Paulo, and now Taipei, the first city in Asia. Let's listen into the conversation I had with the editor-in-chief of Flaneur, Fabian Saul, who is explaining the concept of taking in a city through one street. Flaneur is a magazine about one street per issue. So I, I guess the first uh, assumption is that that's, that one street sounds like something quite limited. Uh, yes. While conceptually for us, it's actually uh, a liberation because we are we decided to, to start from one street uh, because we believe that if we would come, for example, here to say we're going to make an issue about Taipei or we're going to make an issue about Taiwan, um, that you are usually confronted with a lot of pre-written narratives. So mm, how do right. you start a conversation that is site-specific uh, but uh, skip the nationalistic discourse, basically? How do, you, how do you start speaking about space? And so we decided to start from one street um, to start also from what we call the fragments of the street. So this is not a travel guide. So this is an artistic collaboration. It involves many voices. And that also means that um, we spend a lot of time on location. And this, the one you were just looking at, Sao Paulo, took almost a year to make. So that also explains why it's almost like a book, basically. Yeah. And it is not... Um, um, it's about one street, but the street is always the reference point. It's the beginning of the conversation. It's where we always return to. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, there's a lot of things happening. In okay. Yeah. So a lot of things happening within the city. Can you stray? Like, What are, what are some of the limitations that you play with? Uh, tell me about that. Well, so usually we just start from walking the city, actually confronting ourselves with the city. So we're not uh, in comparison to like a journalistic approach where you would probably pre-research a lot and you would arrive and you pretty much already know everything and then you just fill the pages with what you already planned you wanted to write about. Uh, in our case, it's completely different. We arrive, we um, prefer to not know much and we prefer to actually confront ourselves with the cityscape. Uh, so walking is a very initial important technique uh, we can speak about the name of our magazine Flaneur later because mm-hmm. uh, that explains a bit of it. But um, so walking is also the method to find the street. Um, that street choice often then um, is quite intuitive. Um, it also usually reflects a certain question we have towards the space that can be also an unsettling space. It's not necessarily the most beautiful street. It's not necessarily the most happening street. Well, yeah. It can be, you know, the, the, the ways you, you get interested in the city mm-hmm. are very different if you actually look closely. So I, I would say that sometimes it comes with a certain disappointment maybe on the first side for those that know the place because they, right. they assume, oh, there's a magazine coming and there they're going to portray like the – the best street we have or something. Right. But that's not the You're going to pick one street. You're obviously going to pick this one amazing street that's there, right? Yeah, so that, okay. that's not that's not the approach, right? So right. We, we might end up choosing a, a street that is also a little bit of a surprise maybe for locals. But that, that again, 
gets us into that space where we want to be, where we can start a conversation because all the people that we then open up this platform that the magazine is to our local artists, our local writers, uh, uh, people collaborating based on that one street with each other. So Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. So how did you uh, – so you first started in Germany, right? Two locations, first in Berlin, then in a place where I can't pronounce it. Leipzig. Le- yes, Le- Leipzig, thank you. One, yeah. Yeah. And then you went to Montreal for the third one. I love Montreal, by the way. It's a beautiful city. Yeah, so how do you pick each location? Same as for finding the street. It's quite an intuitive process. Uh, there is a – Sometimes there always feels like there needs to be some sort of invitation or some sort of starting point, which usually is like someone in that place that invites us. In the in the case of Montreal, it was actually the Goethe Institute in that uh, city that uh, read the Berlin issue and the Leipzig issue, and they thought Montreal would be a great place. And that's where we started from. But in other cases, like Rome, it was, for example... Uh, completely random we actually until this day can't figure out why we went there we didn't have any <laughs> we didn't have any substantial support from the city or from from the country um we basically just pulled it off ourselves and so yeah it's pretty random like that there is always maybe a few names a few places um that that we in the in the team kind of have on our kind of shortlist uh taipei in particular was actually um, one thing that that struck us was that when we started speaking about Taipei or Taiwan, that a lot of people in Europe couldn't really point at that place on the map. Wow! They really? would they would make like mistakes. They would they yeah, would point yeah. at the south of Japan. They would point at the Philippines or at Thailand, Thailand because they yeah. you know these kind of or even in China mainland because they're you know assuming that it's part of the of China. So, mm-hmm. so there were a lot of mistakes um, and it seemed that that diplomatic vacuum that Taiwan exists in also to some extent, creates a certain geographical vacuum where that it seems to be like a little bit of a place that in a diplomatic sense can't really be. So we thought that that's actually quite an interesting uh, starting point to go to a place that that has that uh, implications and mm-hmm. that maybe doesn't come with such a pre-written uh, imagery as well. I think the most people will maybe know the, a picture of the 101 from like an aerial view mm-hmm. but have less imagery of like what is Taipei like or you know so that that's a, that was a good reason to, to, to come here and start exploring yeah. really like going into the urban fabric. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so which area have you already chosen the area you're going to explore or the street you're going to explore in Taiwan or Taipei? No, actually, it's, we're still in the process of walking and we're still in the process of meeting lots of people, talking to many people, walking a lot. Um, there is certainly like certain elements I, we can speak about that I that I already find quite uh, interesting. Uh, one being the, the certain logic of the, the river, the water that you can follow in in Taipei. That Riverside kind parks of, and everything. That, yeah, but also the neighborhoods that are the oldest of the city that are somehow connected through the right, river. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are staying at uh, Treasure Hill Taipei, Taipei Artist Village, which is part of this kind of older landscape of the city, but then also, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sorry for my pronunciation, but uh, then also the, the, the areas where if you follow the river, uh, Wanhua yeah. uh, and, and, and Daraosheng, Daraotsan. Daraotsan yeah. is... Um, I, I butchered Leip, Leipzig, so, yeah. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to pronounce, Sorry. yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm learning still. Yeah. So, so you follow the river um, and you go down the each like, neighborhood. Yeah, that's 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 one of the things that, you know, 
happened, but then there is also kind of crossing the river, going into New Taipei City, returning to Taipei, walking all over the place. It's not really at this point not really limited to an area, but I can already say that there is a definitely an interest in those old neighborhoods of Taipei. Um, for example, when we speak about Wanhua, I find it uh, extremely interesting if you actually go to the southern part of of it. So not the temple area, which maybe is more f- like people are more f- like familiar yeah, with. Longsan Temple? Yeah, right? yeah. There, people are more familiar with that area. There's already quite a lot happening in that area. There's like new art spaces popping up. There's a certain, uh, certain element of gentrification probably also happening. Mm. But if you go to like the southern part of it, it's like structurally from like the urban fabric is way more, fabric is still way more, uh, gritty, where more um, there's more traditional markets, etc. It's, it's a very interesting area to explore because it feels like it has never really been part of the rigid um, city planning that uh, during the Japanese period happened in other parts of the city. Mm-hmm. So you can actually kind of go into a layer of what was ta- the, the Taiwanese city like before that. So I think that's maybe the the whole point of walking is going into those layers. It's actually looking more at also the 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 layers that are now maybe not visible anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. that this magazine is um, dealing with uh, obviously the urban surrounding, but also including that that we can't see, mm-hmm. but that is still traceable in yeah. the urban fabric. That's the fascination there. So you just talked about you know walking down the river and going to all these neighborhoods. What stuck out to you in terms of I guess like the way people live here and, uh, and everything like that? Well. I think, well, I just mentioned there's a certain rigid uh, city planning of the uh, Japanese period that is that you can also sense when you walk through parts, certain parts of Taipei. But I felt that it's quite interesting how people use public space here. It's um, very, uh, um, it's filled with uh, fragmented uh, individual activity and also individual economic acti- activity, which is quite striking. Kind of like night market or something. It's right? like yeah, yeah there's a, and, and changes exactly throughout mm-hmm. the day. So you have to mm-hmm. kind of different periods of the day where there's um, almost like the the function of the actual city layout changes, mm-hmm. and this rigidness that we can find is kind of melting in this kind of individual local uh, activity. And I think that's that's one element that's very fascinating, and they, also the amount of uh, um, individual small um, shops and um, family-run spaces and maybe improvised spaces, but also then, of course, you have the the other layer of the chains, which are then kind of popping up every 50 meters. All of that also creates a layer which is maybe more the capitalistic idea of convenience. I mean, this city is extremely convenient. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like a giant, this giant like convenience store. Someone, someone <laughs> said that the other day to me. It's like a giant convenience store That's because funny. the density of store, like convenience right. stores, is so high that you usually don't even have to walk a block. But because on your block will be some sort of supply of mm-hmm. uh, daily needs. So um, that, of course, implying the layer of food, which is all around us, everywhere, yeah. everywhere, all the time. Um, but th- that's an interesting. Um, that is an interesting density that it creates. It is very dense. It is a very walkable city, which for us, um, as being a magazine that has to do with walking, it has to do with um, what we call this psychogeography. So basically, um, has to do with finding another geometry, another geography in the urban fabric. And also uh, together with other people. So it's not just about, maybe that's important to mention, not just about Mm. us walking, but that's just the initial stage. Afterwards, we will see collaborations with uh, 
by Taiwanese artists with Taiwanese artists and, and locals happening based on that one street. So it's, it will become a, a giant collaboration conversation about these mm-hmm. spaces. So I think the accessibility of the, the city will provide a really interesting uh, for us, the ability to rework in public space and with public space. Uh, I hope that that's the right. Okay. And what do you think of the, I guess the society here? Um, like how has your interaction been with the locals? Taipei has been extremely welcoming. I can't even, uh, how can I say it's a, it's extremely welcoming. People are very, uh, helpful, very, um, they have, um, also an interest in working with their own city. It feels like there's a lot of cultural activity. Taipei, in comparison to its size, has a lot of the amount of things happening, the amount of um, exhibitions and openings and things and discussions. And uh, the discourse is very high, and it's uh, something we can really feel arriving here. Um, there is... Um, yeah, I mean, there is an interesting way also to look at Taiwan is that certain uh, discourses are extremely progressive here, way more progressive than in, in Europe, Other for like example. Asians. Oh, really? I was going to compare it to Asian cities. <laughs> well, compared to, to Asia, But you know, if you look at the entire discourse around the digital innovation, for example, um, I would say that Taiwan, as a country that has a digital ministry that has a weekly hackathon where like policymaking, even on the national level, is being executed or at least thought about how we can imply these like kind of new digital interfaces in a process like that. That's extremely progressive. And uh, at this point in time, I could not imagine Germany having even a digital ministry. We just kind of go backwards in many ways in -hmm. Europe. So I think maybe it has also to do with uh, uh, Taiwan's um, diplomatic isolation that in certain ways there is a, there is an urge to, to progress, to stand out, to really uh, um, go forward. And then, of course, there's huge contrast to the more traditionalist sides of the society, which are also very obvious and which you can also both trace in the public space. So mm-hmm. it's like there's some things where I'm extremely surprised of how far the conversation already is compared to certain discourses in Europe. And then there's other very traditionalist implications in society when we look at the role of uh, foretelling or ghosts or um, other elements. And and I'm personally, because it's maybe too early to tell, but quite interested to see how these two sides kind of um, merge together and what Mm -hmm. this kind of synthesis in the society can maybe also create. Uh, so the the angle of the first issue in Berlin uh, was exploring the childhood neighborhood in, of the publisher after she lived abroad for a while, right? She's going back to the neighborhood and seeing how uh, that's changed, right? So the second issue in uh, in Leipzig was uh, George Schwarzstraff. Georg Schwarzstraße, yeah, was that's a very, wow. very, very tricky Not even one. close. <laughs> <laughs> Not even close. It's a very tricky one. Right? Don't yeah. worry. Okay, thanks. But you, uh, but you chose that street because um, you're walking around the city. And uh, it kind of like spoke to you as like a dark and like with a dark vibe or something, right? And then you went went there. I read I read this in an interview. Uh, and we just talked about you know just how layered and how multifaceted Taiwan or Taipei seems to be, right? You're walking around and there's a lot of social interactions that you can take in and a lot of different neighborhoods and such. Um, has there been anything that's stood out to you specifically, kind of like that dark vibe that you felt in in that street uh, here? Well, I mean. Uh that issue you were speaking about was the uh, was actually one of them where the the choice was quite a surprise also for locals because it mm-hmm. was a bit of ghost street in the sense that that 
that street was an access to a previous idea of the city, which was like an almost like a promise that once existed that everyone believed in that city is mm -hmm. going to be one of the metropolises of Germany, and there's going to be all this. There were all these plans, there were all these ideas, and then the 20th century happened, and there were wars, and there were dictatorship, etc. So that never happened. So the street mm -hmm. was for us an access into those hidden layers. Um, mm -hmm. I am quite well one thing definitely here that is most striking wherever you go in Taipei is that the multitude of layers of colonial layers of layers of um, the history of violence and exploitation but also in the way that the idea of the city was always shaped by the by the oppressor in a way there is as i said this 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 japanese idea of city planning which was then implemented then you have the mm. entire map of china mainland projected onto that mm. in 1949 in a very uh, rigid and in a very um ignorant way also i mean with every new layer and we can go back into like the 17th century to to, to go even deeper into that with mm -hmm. every layer there is a certain ignorance towards the actual local context and people are writing over this city again and again and again so in some ways there that's something uh very striking very uh visible also because you you can you can see it in the in the names in the structures and in the different struggles i feel like how taiwanese society uh, tries to deal with the, the the how to piece together this different layers how to make uh, how to make a story of it that mm -hmm. that is something that that is a that can create some sort of common ground i think that's a that's a that's a big it seems to be a big issue and um, at the same time I feel like it is um, probably almost impossible to kind of c uh, clear up that that history into like a homogenic story but it only mm -hmm. can be possible to speak about it in from many perspectives and from many different uh, that that's hopefully also what in a way the, the magazine can be seen as, as a platform for like many perspectives happening at the same time mm -hmm. Um, so I'm quite interested to see how this, you know, on the one hand, you have this representational layer. It's like, what's the name of the street? What's the name of the memorial? Who is being commemorated? Who who isn't, etc. Right? That's like the kind of official uh, stuff we can read. But then there's also mythology of the place. There's people living there that have lived through these different layers, that have their experiences, that have their uh, their traumas, their dreams, their uh, histories, and mm. and. Right now, I'm because I, I just arrived. I'm probably more reading this more representational layer, and I'm very uh, interested to go deeper into the mythology of the place and, and and get in touch with people and listen to their stories. That's very cool. Uh, so you've been all over the world, basically. You've been to uh, let's see, Sao Paulo, Moscow, Athens, Rome, Montreal, Leipzig, and Berlin. Uh, did you feel like it was time to go like? pick a city or street in Asia? Well, for sure. I mean, the, the movement of the magazine was kind of, we started in Berlin where we we're all based. Right. And there was a, there was a, also a way, you can sometimes travel in your own city in a way that you travel almost like to another place. Mm -hmm. That was the case for our first issue because we picked a street in a neighborhood that I never went to, for example, and our publisher 
knew it, but knew it more from the perspective of her childhood. So that's a very interesting to revisit. Mm-hmm. And, and then also you can travel within your own city, like going to like a new city. But still, the movement of the magazine then was kind of out into the world and into new places. So we kind of, you see, Leipzig is still like an hour from Berlin. Then Montreal is already like further away. Moscow is further away. And now Sao Paulo and now Taipei. But uh, it's always also we're always starting from scratch. It's always like a bit of an experiment as well because we there is no formula to what we do. Uh, there's just a, a concept, a method we try to apply and we mm-hmm. try to open up to people. So for sure, we we thought okay, if we really want to take this seriously, if we want to go further with this project, we can't just kind of go back into the kind of coziness of our own surroundings but we have to you know um, yeah. go out into the world and then yeah for sure we talked about uh, making an issue in Asia and then as I said Taipei I think has a well multi-layered multi-faceted uh, is a fascinating place and also a place that came with a lot of questions so that's why why we're here uh, so let's talk about flaneur right the I guess the definition a man who saunters around observing society is what I got off the internet why does this encapsulate your magazine well, actually, we named the magazine after writing the concept of this magazine, and we asked ourselves, mm. you know, what, what's that, actually? And flaneur is a bit of an uh, old term, comes from the 19th century Paris, and it, it, it is that uh, person walking around, observing. Uh, it's a person that in some ways has access to time. It's very often connected with the ex- like taking your time, so that means you go for walks uh, that you don't know yet where they're going to lead to. So that has already that kind of dark element that we were speaking about. So Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that's not, we're not talking about the Sunday walk. It's not a recreational kind of, um, we go for a walk in order to feel better. No, the the method of flaneuring means synchronizing with your surrounding in a way that you actually um, synchronize synchronized in a in a in subjective way so you are the mm. uh, uh, in a way sees what is there but also sees that that is there's the things that are lost so it's always visiting places from a perspective of actually decay if you look at all the so for example if you know a certain place and you walk it again and again with a certain not going to work from a to b or rushing into the uh, commute or something but mm-hmm. actually taking your time you notice how a place changes the things that disappear the things that are being torn down and something new is built and layer upon layer the city changes and in a way this the the flannering has a lot to do with um noticing these changes and noticing how things disappear but maybe in a more avant-garde reading of the figure you, the funer also is capable of projecting into the future because when you know what's lost it also creates a sense for envisioning things um, mm. in public space but so yeah the, the the for us it was important to take this term and take it in the 21st century and try to talk about the techniques behind it more than just about the 19th century guy but actually actualize the term yeah mm-hmm. and you uh, approach it through art um, why through art well i think the the idea of the magazine from the beginning was that if we if we apply such a subjective technique we can only do that by not having just one narrator but having many narrators so mm-hmm. it's a multi perspective um, issue as a multi-perspective magazine and so we believe that the way you express 
your observings uh, can be in writing, but can also be in photography and film and dance and music and whatever you choose to express in. So that's why we thought that the, this kind of interdisciplinary art project is a good way to to kind of take the, this technique, uh, open it up to uh, to a contemporary use and mm -hmm. so that's through art that's through writing that's also through uh, collaborating through uh, discussing and um and so there is there is a like multitude of like kind of techniques that you will find in the magazine okay and given that multitude um how is an aesthetic chosen or does it kind of just like come together and kind of naturally crystallize or yeah for sure i mean the uh You were just saying it comes together like naturally crystallizing. I think it's a quite good way to explain our process because we're not, I can't tell you yet how many pages Taipei is going to have or how many artists are going to work there. A lot of things will happen along the way. But uh, our art directors, the graphic designers of this magazine, they always come to the place. They always look at it very closely, uh, collect uh, imagery, uh, patterns, colors, connect with local designers, local artists, um, in a way, every magazine is different. So we always start from scratch also when it comes to the aesthetics. Mm -hmm. So it is completely, each issue looks completely different. And we it has completely different uh, uh, color schemes and completely sometimes different fonts and different usage. And of course, we also are a bilingual magazine. So mm -hmm. we are English and then the local language that also brings in an aesthetic layer, of course. That is always new, mm -hmm. and so yeah, in 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 many ways, it's uh, also reflecting uh, the place we're in. Where is uh, Flaneur distributed, and how is it funded? Well, our distribution is uh, international, so we have we're like I think in around forty countries in the world. It is a very selective distribution. That means we're we're not so much. We don't like the fact that in the magazine industry, many magazines are usually thrown away. So we try to find a model where we can actually be in the right places where people actually buy the magazine and we right. will not throw copies away. Mm. So we are in a lot of museums, a lot of selected magazine and art bookshops around the world. Uh, and then, of course, with every new place that we go to, we also are setting up a distribution in that country. So, of course, in Taiwan as well. And, yeah, and the, our funding, uh, well, you know, it's a, it's also a quite a flanerish uh, <laughs> thing because we, we go to new places. We're looking for new partners. We're looking for a new network of people that can also fund the project. And that's something that's happening alongside with our artistic production. So mm. uh, there is no set. We are an independent magazine, so there is no set like investor or anything like that. But we actually set up in the new city also in the structure, in the financial structure we're working in. So that's something that's happening besides the walking at the moment as well. Uh, so the places that you've gone, um, I'm going to name them again. Sao Paulo, Moscow, Athens, Rome, Montreal, Leipzig, and Berlin. Which place stands out as your personal favorite and why? I'm not, I know it's kind of like asking you uh, to pick between your children maybe, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, how, that's how it feels like. Uh, well, you know, there's there's certain places you you kind of develop certain relationship with, I guess, that you return to. I, I can say that I have returned to Moscow quite a lot because of, it's been like I also wrote a book actually there in the last two years, which... Uh, so it was like, you know, sometimes the, the the magazine can be like kind of kind of key to a city, and then you kind of start coming back. The same goes for Montreal, where I mm -hmm. uh, uh, regularly return to 
Um, but that doesn't mean that I don't like the others. But it just sometimes it happens that there is like certain, you know, you meet the right people or you, you feel kind of welcome, then you kind of return and you do more projects together. And I always hope that Flaneur is that door opener, not just for us, but also for the other artists that are like collaborating to actually create relationships that are longer than just the, the length of the production, but that can, uh, you know, can continue after we're done. Uh, usually that happens. Uh, the same for Sao Paulo. I have to mention Sao Paulo as well yeah. because it's a, it was an extremely welcoming place. We have a, a beautiful. We met beautiful people there that we're still in touch with. We're still working with, um, and and I have a feeling the same will go for Taipei. Uh, yeah, I've been to Montreal and Moscow, both those places, and I loved I loved those cities. Uh, especially, I was surprised that I love Montreal, uh, Moscow so much because um, as an American, you uh, I guess kind of believe in. Uh, the propaganda, right? And it's like, oh, it's going to be like, you know, they hate America and it's like, it's going to be this way. And we go there and they're just obviously regular people, right? Of course. They're also more welcoming than I thought they would be. And Moscow is just such a cool city with so much history. And yeah, it's a fun time. It was a fun place. For sure. But you're right. Like most of the time when I say, oh, I'm going back to Moscow or people are like surprised because they imagine that Moscow is always cold and there's always winter in Moscow because in the Cold War, films in American productions always winter in Moscow always yeah. people don't know that it's actually 40 degrees in the summer in Moscow and it's a climate maybe closer to, to New York City in many ways mm. but then you have a lot of imagery of New York City in the summer and in the winter and in all, time, all seasons but for some reason we only get to see Moscow in the winter that's why people imagine it's gray and cold and mm-hmm. everyone is wearing these like old hats which no yeah, one actually yeah. wears so yeah, nobody <laughs> actually wears those hats so, yeah. so other than the old people right yeah. yeah okay there's an the old generation that maybe does yeah, but in, yeah. in general it is it's, it's very different it's it's not necessarily an, an easy city uh, but it is a fascinating city welcoming place and yeah I agree it's in, yeah. and the food was great yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, say, yeah. how do you like in food here well that's uh, definitely a very um you know, very obvious layer of Taiwanese society because I feel like it's less food 24-7 around you and it's constantly playing a role. Mm-hmm. And um, so I tried many things and I'm kind of, whenever I don't know something, I kind of try it. So um, the I, I really like it. And I also like that there is there's actually quite a quite an interesting also mix of like different food cultures that you can find i mean it's there's the kind of more traditional local food but then you also have all sorts of influences from like all over asia and the world and kind of interesting mix of different things and then of course the the different way to consume it i mean you can go to the restaurant and have like a beautiful like uh, table full of small different kind of things that are oh, like yeah. shared across the table which I always enjoy because that's something for example we don't as a, we don't have that culture in Germany for example and in other places we went to like Greece etc it's also like this you kind of have things and you share mm-hmm. I, I like sharing food so that's something but I also like this kind of you just walk past the, the the night market and you just get something on the go something greasy fried something mm-hmm. and yeah. there's so many things to try and so many different methods to actually uh, communicate well of course for me it's quite uh, quite uh, difficult but i always try to also understand not just what's the food but what's the actual element of communication like how do you choose the food and how is it prepared it's always a little different from stand mm-hmm. to stand and from like kind of so that's really fascinating also part of communication here i guess the, the food yeah. okay all right well thank you fabian for coming in and talking to me thanks thanks a lot for the invitation yeah no problem mm-hmm.
Look out for the Taiwan edition of Flaneur Magazine coming out later this year, hopefully. A big thank you to Ting for facilitating the connection, and thanks to Fabian for coming in and talking with me. That was this week's Taiwan Talk. Thanks for listening. I'm Alex Lewis. Thank you.